Hello and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast that deals with the intricacies of planning worship with and for your faith community. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries at Discipleship Ministries, a general agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today I have with me as my special guest, my friend, the Reverend Dr. Andrew Scanlon Holmes, Senior Pastor of Roberts Park United Methodist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Andrew trained for the ministry in the Methodist Church in the UK and has been accredited preacher for over 40 years. He was ordained an elder in 2007. And prior to full-time ministry, Andrew worked first in professional theater as a lighting and sound engineer, then moved to broadcast television production with TVAM, working on a program modeled after Good Morning America, but his was in the UK, and then with his own production company. He also worked for the UK Police Service, where, as part of his job, he oversaw the introduction of on-street CCTV surveillance in the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. He later consulted with the Home Office on CCTV and forensic video analysis. Andrew gained his Doctor of Theology and Ministry from Durham University in the UK. His thesis, To See or Not to See, The Use of Visual Media in Worship, was completed in 2013, and Andrew has been appointed the Senior Pastor at Roberts Park United Methodist Church since 2014. Welcome, Andrew. It's great to have you with us. We appreciate your taking the time to talk, and we like to always start these conversations with just a personal note. How are you doing these days, and especially as we are now in the midst of this intense season in the liturgical year? Oh, thank you, Derek, for having me. How am I doing? Good question. I guess it feels a bit like walking on cobblestones, if people over here know what cobblestones are. (laughs) You're never quite sure of where your footing is, and the pathway forward isn't always going to be straight. So it feels a bit like that at the moment. I can imagine. That's that's sort of the experience that everybody has had. You know, we're feeling our way, finding our footing as we go. Well, as you know, the pandemic has brought many changes to the local church, and there are positives and negatives that we could talk about all day long. But but your expertise and experience and personal interest led me to want to talk to you about a a term we've been using a lot lately called hybrid worship. As a side note to our listeners, Andrew was talking about hybrid worship and digital theology long before the pandemic happened. So we're all kind of thrust in trying to catch up. But tell us what you mean when you use the term hybrid worship or digital theology. Well, let me take a minute or two just to unpack that, if I can, and and try and help our listeners with that. I mean, the term hybrid is, is a contested word anyway in many senses. It comes, obviously, from a more biology-based learning, the idea that we could take the genetic material from two or a minimum of two different things and create a third thing from it. So if we think about it in terms of animals, then a mule is a hybrid of a, of a horse and a donkey. And so I think of hybridity in terms of creativity. 
creating something from something else in that sense. And um, actually, Catherine Schmidt uh, from Malloy College did a really good paper on this last year called about, I think it's inevitable hybridity. And she reminds us that in that, that even you know, the chosen people of God in some respects could be seen as being hybrid. And, and what I mean by that is I, I got a scripture out for us just to have a quick listen to from Leviticus. It's from the 11th chapter and reading from verse 44 and 45. For I am the Lord your God, sanctify yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming creature that moves on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall be holy, for I am holy. So in a sense, we could think of even, you know, going back to the first chosen people as being a hybrid of something of human and divine. In Mm. that sense, if Mm. I am holy and you are holy, there is in there a sense of hybridity. So again, it's about this idea of being creative. And even in my own doctoral work, where I look at the use of visual media in worship, again, we can see hybridity in the things like the use of icons or stained glass windows that take the spoken word and the written word and create a third expression of that message. So hybridity, again, is about creating something from somewhere else and it mediates that message. So I would suggest that hybrid worship has been around for centuries. It's not something really new. It's just the fact that, to come back to your question, I think when we think of hybridity in in the terms of where we are now, we're looking at something that is a blend between what we might call online worship and what we might have known as offline worship or in-person worship. And by that, I mean that the church that serves its local community is then seeking to use a technology to broaden that, to take it out from the gathered space into an online space. So there are churches which are predominantly offline, as it were, that have, because of the pandemic, found themselves working into the online medium. And, and there are, you know, pre the pandemic, a number of churches that were just online communities. And so they have helped to shape something of what's going on. And I guess what we're thinking today is hybrid worship, uh, a combination, the new product that's coming out of those two sources. So, so when I speak of hybrid, I'm interested in where the church is being led, as it were, through the pandemic, the requirement that a lot of churches had to jump into some form of online worship and then are now finding themselves thinking well wow this was successful in some respects how do we build on this what do we do to make this more successful so so in that let me let me make sure i'm grasping what you're saying what you're describing hybrid worship is a new thing whereas what when most people talk about hybrid worship they're just talking about doing two things at the same time and that's always been my concern about the two things at the same time, because the media are different. You know, you you know, with your background in, in media, you're aware of the demands of different media in terms of communication. So, so to do two things at the same time, to be both online, fully online, and fully in person, is, is uh, I guess I want to say, almost impossible to do because of what is required in each. 
But yet, if we take this idea of hybrid, now we're, now we're doing something different or something new. So what would that new thing be? Well, I, um, Marshall McLuhan, of course, famously said the medium is the message. Mm. And I, I used a lot of McLuhan's work in, in my thesis. I used his four laws of media as a, a lens through which to look at um, how we use technology and, and visuals in worship. I think that the work that's been done by people like Heidi Campbell and John Drain would now say that the medium shapes the message. Mm. And so if we introduce a new medium into our preaching, we'll find that our preaching is shaped by that medium. So, you know, uh, if we think back to the days when Billy Graham was starting out and these big rallies that he would hold mm -hmm. where it was just his preaching voice, as it were, being used, although it was amplified and used in a in, in a stadium or in large venues, that spoken word was then added to when radio decided to pick up what he was doing and wireless mm -hmm. technology comes in. And so we find that if you listen to and analyze some of what Graham's saying is, it changes what he is actually, how he's actually preaching, because he has to introduce something to help those people who are not present in that space understand or see what he's doing. And of course, then when television takes in and the visual comes back, that language changes again because it's now got the immediacy of one-to-one, -one, talking mm -hmm. with people who are, inverted commas, present with him through visual media. So it changes again. And so throughout that whole period, as it were, he's changed from this initial sort of pure preaching, as it were, of the Bible, if that's a, a, a real idea, to holding the fact that he has a visual component that now has to come in. So whereas he would be describing orally, those things can be set aside because we can put a visual in to help. So all of those are different ways of it. So I, I think that whilst, you know, in a sense, in his day, McLuhan was, was looking for that soundbite that would hold people's attention for a little while, the, the sort of idea now that Heidi Campbell and the likes of John Drain and others have is that this medium is shaping how we take that message forward. So that's what we're looking at. But in the end, it, you know, in all of the Billy Graham stuff, it was always, in a sense, um, a congregation observing mm -hmm. what was going on rather than participating in the worship itself. Yeah, that, I think that that's a key point as well, that not only, I, I hear what you're saying about content having to change to include those who are in a different physical space. But we also are changing the nature of what community means, what it means to be together, and what it means to participate in, in this thing. So how do, we, how do we suggest to preachers and worship leaders that they move forward into this new space that's being, being created, uh, that we re-understand what it means to belong, what it means to participate? You know, uh, how do we engage the congregation in an act of worship? when part of it's online, and part of it may be listening on the telephone. You know, in some of the rural settings, I've, I've heard from preachers that say they don't. They may go on Zoom or they may go on live stream, but people have to dial in and they're listening. So they're, they're like the radio folks at Billy Graham. They're just hearing, they're not seeing. So how do, we, how do we gather that whole congregation together so that there's a sense of corporateness about what we're doing? Yeah, and that's, that's the challenge that 
uh, hybridity brings for us to create this new idea of space that is both in person and online. And, 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 and I guess we need to be really intentional. I think that's one of the things that I've discovered in, in sort of the conversations I've had with people and, and listening to the way that churches have been, as I say, drawn into having to go online uh, through mm-hmm. the pandemic and now find themselves asking the question, you know, sh- w- we seem to have had something of good out of this, so we need to keep this going. But we also now have people back in our congregations. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I, March 2020, we, we, we sat down and said, okay, we can no longer have people in our building. We need uh, to do something to offer worship outside of our building. And, and my congregation at that time had absolutely zero technology. The only things that were in our church was an amplifier and the speakers for, from the pulpit. We, we mm-hmm. were in zero technology land. And, and literally the first services were me recording them on, a, on an iPhone and then editing it all together and, and putting it up on, online uh, for people to, to watch. Mm-hmm. So we were back to that question then immediately. Well, that's okay. People are observing, but we're not doing anything to draw people in. So mm-hmm. how do we now look at those elements of our worship that we can offer into that space that allows people to see and take part, take part in it. And of course, we can put liturgy online. We can help people with on-screen graphics that help. Or we can put up text and words and other things that allow people into that. But we're still left this question about how do we bring people together? Post-pandemic, if we can get to that position, or at least where we are now, one of the problems, of course, is that people are going, well, we have a congregation in front of us and we have a congregation online, but both of those are not um, synchronous. Mm-hmm. So we have an issue around the fact that even if we wanted to try and encourage people to be involved in it, we have a technical issue that we have to, de- we have to deal with. And, and believe me, it takes a lot of money to sort out trying to become um, you know, synchronous in terms of being able to worship. What does it also mean for those who are now listening and participating in our worship, but are never seen by the congregation? Go back to television. The way that some of those shows dealt with this during the pandemic was to put in huge video walls and introduce people in as the audience, as it were, on a video screen. So whatever it was, you know, America's Got Talent or... Um, Dr. Phil or people like that, they all had these huge screens that showed where we are. So if we are a community gathering, how do we bring our online community into the church as well as those who are present in the church? And do that in a way that is is synchronous, as it were, in worship. You're you're not suggesting we need a laugh track for for worship or or applause signs or something like that so that people engage. No, not in in those ways. But I'm trying to think of it in in terms of what does it mean to be in community across space. You know, we know that the Spirit is present in all of those spaces. So Mm -hmm. in terms of gathering, we are gathered in the name of, of the spirit where they're gathered in in god's presence but are we are we able to enjoy or share in that way in the same way that we would if we were gathered in a community in person mm-hmm. and i think some of those things are good that we need to look at so the intentionality has to be around about who do we see as 
the persons who will receive and participate in this act of worship. And that might be that it's more skewed towards an online community, mm-hmm. or it might be that it's more skewed towards our in-person community with an online opportunity to share in that. So, you know, I'm thinking now that multi-service formats, you know, like we had the 830 uh, mm-hmm. service mm-hmm. with communion and then the 1030 family service might be changing in terms of which of those communities is the focal point for this particular act of worship. Not that it excludes others, right. but it allows a more focused point to be able to say, this, we are, in this particular time, we are aiming our worship at our online mm-hmm. gathered community with mm-hmm. those present being able to, to participate. And then likewise, we might change it. So I think that's one of the things that we need to be clear about is our intentionality about who it is. Um, that we seek to serve in that community. Yeah, and, and and I think your earlier point about about intentionality and and paying attention to to who's listening in and how to to draw them in. But but I really like this emphasis that says let's let's make a choice, and so that churches may, as they go forward, say okay, this is our online service and this is our in person service. We're all one congregation, but but we're. We're looking at segments of that. It's it's not dividing the church, but it is Im- impacting people in different kinds of ways. It you know I mean it, it's it's again had its precedent in the terms of you know we have traditional worship, contemporary right. worship, we had family worship, exactly. we had yeah. you know th- those are all there in in our past as it were. So it's again just going back to our our history and saying okay this this now we have this, this and and there's no reason why the two don't blend. You know you can add right. in to your in-person worship, as it were, liturgists that are online. But to do that, they tend to have to be recorded rather than live because of the synchronicity issues. But there, there are ways to be able to deal with that in, in, technology, you know, in technology senses. We, there are ways we can deal with that. And if you go back pre-pandemic, a lot of the churches that live-streamed or, or recorded their services the idea was these are people who want to be there but can't, and this is a way of including them. And it it sort of had the feel of looking in a window. You know, you're watching these other people do this kind of worship thing, and which is which is great for that inclusion for the people who have been there and will again be there. But when you think in terms of what what streaming worship does, which allows us to be a worldwide community, and there are people who physically could not be there because of distance or ability or whatever, now it's a different kind of thing. And you want more of the engagement and the participation. You want to focus on what they're doing, not just the people looking over your shoulder at, at what's going on. And that's why I've always been concerned about, you know, the, the old term, old way of thinking about hybrids, we're just doing both at the same time. It seems like one or the other is going to be neglected somewhat. And so this idea of trying to pick out a target audience, I think, is a, a, a valuable one for us to consider. Mm-hmm. And then, having done that, determine what platform mm. will be best to try and address some of those issues. So is Zoom the right way you know, to do, I mean, we use Zoom for meetings, we use Zoom for Bible studies and things. There are, of course, many churches that use Zoom for their worship service. 
mm-hmm. because there's a sense in which everybody on screen at the same time was being was participating and you could interact through chat and other uh, other things then there's a number of other platforms that have have come out of that so you know the old role of just sticking a camera in front of the the preacher and and going live uh, on facebook or mm-hmm. uh, you know youtube or whatever is the broadcast model it's it's the model that simply says here is the shop window you can look in and see mm-hmm. so it it is a, it's also about an intentionality in saying who is it that we are going to look to try and focus this worship on and then secondly how best can we do that from a technology point of view that allows for inclusion and allows for people to participate. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some signs around that as well. And we have seen how companies jumped in pretty quickly to try and build platforms that would mm-hmm. provide for those types of worship experience that allowed for interaction, that allowed for prayer rooms that you could break off into mm-hmm. um, and do things. So you, you have this, you know, even the fellowship hall, afterwards where people could come together and meet each other and greet each other yeah. and and find that you know if you sat at a table then you immediately those people who were around you became available to you to be able to speak to on screen so yeah. it some clever things that were going on and, and still are uh, in yeah. terms of doing that but now we're back in person we get back into this whole thing and i know you're a theater type guy so you'll mm-hmm. know what i mean when i say it's about breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. that we have to be intentional about actually engaging with the community because when i was recording and i'm sure everybody else was doing the same when we were recording during the pandemic it was like this it was straight down a lens of a camera you were you were speaking to you know and people would say to me oh, andre i really would enjoy this because it just feels like you are talking to me mm-hmm which of course is what television that that's right about, yeah. Yeah. You know? and then now we're back into community and you're back to your preaching of having to try and hold eye contact with a whole series of people or at least appear to be engaging with those people but then you have the fourth wall to break you know i mean uh the show uh, house of cards was one of the really good ones recently that had this whole thing where the lead character would turn to the camera and and address the camera Mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. out of the scene. And so we're back into that with church now that we've got to find ways of being able to say, you know, if this is my in-person worship, welcome to everybody who's here, but then to be able to turn to the camera so you need to know which camera you're going to be looking at Mm -hmm. and address directly the online community because that's the way that the connection in, in one sense is made to bring that person or those persons into what we're going on. But then, you know, how do we, if we're going to do that, how do we then allow that to continue in a way such like, you know, using the comment section on mm-hmm. Facebook or YouTube mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be able to engage with people as, as we're in worship, to be able to say, you know, oh, that was a good point, or mm-hmm. I, I, I don't fully agree with that, or here is our <laughs> prayer list for today, and these are the people who we're praying for, or those prayers coming back into the church and being included in our prayers of intercession so that people, you know, we could say, oh, you know, Derek in Nashville wants prayers for. And and, and so that person feels that they've been drawn into that on-site worship. If we're doing it 
online, there would be different techniques in different ways because mm -hmm. your online is almost certainly going to be just addressing that almost like one-to-one -one, uh, conversation again. Yeah, in in teaching, preaching in various settings, I, I've often talked about that difference. Whereas in person, you've got a group of folks online, even though there may be big numbers of people, you're really one-on-one. -on -one. It's a it's a one-to-one. -one, it's an intimacy, and and as you were saying, as people come back, they may miss that intimacy that they that they received when they were at home with with their screens of of whatever kind. Which which means that. It, part of what you're saying is that not only do worship leaders, preachers, have to learn how to worship in this new environment, worshipers have to learn how to worship in a new environment. So there's a teaching element in there. As as I look at my own experience watching or, or worshiping online, I do different things at home sitting in my chair than I would do sitting in a pew next to other people. And so how do I engage? How do I release myself to be a part of that? So the whole church is learning how to worship in, in a new environment. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm sure that things like, um, you know, online tends to be a lot shorter in terms of worship than it does when we meet as a community. Mm-hmm. So there's even an element about thinking about how much time am I going to give to this? Am I preaching, you know, traditionally 15 or 18 minutes in the pulpit in a in a church setting, or am I doing 10 to 12 minutes online right. with a, with a worship program that's gone from around 60 minutes down to about 40, 45 minutes? Right. Um, and then when your congregation comes back, they're like you seem to be talking a lot longer. <laughs> That's right. Got to get used to the old flow of that. So, you know, the, the, I think those are things that, that we as a church are, are, are grappling with. But this hybridity is about creating this new from two, ra you know, two different, rather than looking at trying to say, how can I do both of these simultaneously? Right. Which, which leads me to ask a question I know you've been wanting to talk about, too. Um, as I said before, you've talked about these kinds of things for a long time, but, but recently you've been working with United Seminary in Ohio to, to create a new program that's going to explore some of this together. What can you tell us about the doctoral program in, in digital theology that's being created there? Well, um, I can tell you it's the first one in the world, which is really exciting. It was agreed last, well, early March, and will be available for students to sign up to and be part of from August 2022, though it, the cohort will be limited to about 12 to 14 people. And it deals with the, the sort of things that we've been looking at and talking about here. What is it that the church has got to do, you know, in asking some of these questions? You know, we, we, is theologically, is communion online theologically mm -hmm. correct? You know, we've had big, big, big discussions about that. Yes, we have. <laughs> you know, in, in, within the Indiana Conference, as I'm sure it's probably the case elsewhere, the bishop set aside, and uh, as it were, the issues that the discipline raises for us in being able to then offer online communion for those mm -hmm. that would be able to receive it. But that hasn't put the problem away. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's, it's still there to be grappled with. Then there are, you know, there's, there's far more, you know, how, you know, some of the things we've talked about, how does the introduction of technology change the way that we do things? What will be happening when artificial intelligence takes on its, you know, it moves into the, 
the next leaps and bounds that it's going through. We find ourselves as a church asking the question, theologically, what does AI mean? Mm. You know, what happens when we, we're dealing with cyborgs and, <laughs> and ideas around where that could all take us? You know, there, there's, there's, there is a whole Shinto tradition for funerals, which is now being carried out by a robot. So you can actually go and present your present your details, and this robot goes through the whole Shinto liturgy for funerals. Is that is that really where we're going with the churches? No. So there's, it's not just sort of some of those things that we we find ourselves looking at and saying, you know, as a church, what does it mean to be mm-hmm. in this place, present, in communion with one another? What does it mean for, for Methodism to be in connection mm-hmm. when we got that opportunity to be across the world? So is you know, Wesley right that really the world is our parish that we're working in? And so th- it, those things are there. So, yeah, it's, it's great. It's going to be a, a DEMIN program. So it's for those who are practitioners, not just those in church leadership in, in terms of ministry, but I would also like to think that those who are in church leadership in terms of technology. Um, mm-hmm. And how that works, you know, that was that was one of the things that came out of my work, my doctoral thesis, was how it's a three-way thing between those in church leadership, those in technology, and those in in the congregation, as it were, receiving. And like everything else, the sixty thousand words gets reduced down to a couple of sentences that were pulled out by most people academically. <laughs> when I said that those who were theologically competent abdicated their responsibility to those who were technology competent. And so (laughs) it became that technology was almost beginning to get to the point of driving the way that we do our worship. And that is a big question that we still have to face and grapple with. Because, you know, within money, there's technology available to do all of it that we would like to do, but we also have to have some serious questions about what that means in terms of what we're seeking to be. What's the missio day in the digital age? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Um, and I know more will be coming out. Uh, as you said, just uh, recently this was approved and is being put into place, and so it won't be till, till fall that invitations will go out, but so we invite you, if you're listening, if you're all interested in that, then, then keep an eye on the United Seminary in Dayton, their website, and, and watch for announcements about that. But but I appreciate that, and I, I appreciate all the questions, and and you did touch on some of those issues that, that we've been somewhat avoiding. The pandemic forced us into corners and to make decisions that that now we need to think about and we need to unpack and, and come back and do that. So so thank you for, for guiding us in that. As you go forward, as, as a final word, um, as, as you go forward, where is your emphasis in, in leading your congregation in worship right now? Where is your energy being poured out the most, just roughly, in your thinking? Um, well, it comes back, Derek, to, to what we've been talking about. I, I'm trying to help my congregation understand the requirements, as it were, to be online and in person. And so what you were just pointing out is absolutely true. I have to do some education mm. with my community about why we do things in a certain way now that we weren't doing before 
and what that means in terms of gathering together in person on site and then being online and on demand. So, you know, I, even in my welcomes now, I'm talking about the people, you know, we welcome those people who join us on site, online and on demand, wherever and whenever you yeah. are participating wow. in this worship, we welcome you. So worship as time travel now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're time shifting worship, you know, and oh. again, that's one of the things that, you know, some of my young folks will say to me is, Andrew, it was really good to be able to be watching you on demand because I could zoom through to get to the sermon, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, or I could just listen to this. You know, and, and so as we do with all of our television these days, it, it, the church is finding itself in that same place. We, we need to be able to capture the, the audiences, as it were, the, the worshipping community for the medium that we are seeking to use. Excellent. Excellent. It comes back to a biblical idea that worship is about training ourselves to live in community, to live in the kingdom of God. And, and so there's still training to happen, and we're doing that. I appreciate you, Andrew, and I appreciate all the thinking that you're doing. I look forward to the D-Min as that develops and, and see what comes out of that. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to all those who are listening. Thank you for joining us today. We hope it's been helpful to you, spurring you on to conversations and thinking about what it is that you're doing in your local place. And remember, you can always find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And so, Andrew, thank you. And all of you listening, until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.